The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey guys, this is Lo, and I'm so excited to welcome you to a very fabulous episode of I Love Wellness. Today's guest is B. Shapiro. She is the founder of Ellis Brooklyn, and she is also the New York Times fashion columnist of Skin Deep. And I'm sure you have read her work. So welcome, B. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I am a fan. I read your Kiki Palmer um, article in the New York Times earlier this year, and it was one of my favorites, the bit when she's like, oh, yeah, I set like nine alarms. <laughs> she, I mean, she's a hustler. She really is doing everything. She's like hosting, she's singing, she's acting. I mean, that column is so fun because you get to like meet so many interesting people. I mean, sometimes it's now obviously virtual, but we're over the phone, but still, you know, you get to know them for like 30 minutes (laughs) she's a powerhouse so i mean you yourself are a powerhouse you were a lawyer you have ellis brooklyn which is your amazing fragrance company it sold at like sephora ulta revolve all these amazing retailers and you're the longtime new york times (laughs) beauty columnist so i'm just curious like first and foremost how do you manage all of that Oh my goodness. I actually was just email before this uh, call, I was emailing this woman in South Africa. We're about to launch in South Africa soon. And, and it's funny because we're talking about how I'm not sure I'm managing it all. I'm sure I, I feel like I'm like learning to like, okay, take a break earlier before I would just like power through, didn't know when to stop totally on the verge of burnout. I think now, especially with COVID I've learned to like take a break. I'm like, okay, you know, the time I usually would be to like walk to the subway, like I now I'm like, okay, I get 15 minutes to go walk around my neighborhood. Or um, like now I eat through lunch, whereas before I didn't do that. So I I feel like I'm really more conscious to like take a break now. And that has helped, but I still fill up my like Google calendar with like 10 million things to do. (laughs) I know. Isn't it interesting in New York how... um, your calendar is sort of like your social currency and you kind of like develop a personality around that. And for me personally, throughout the quarantine, when I don't have stuff to do, I feel guilty or like I'm missing out. And so same with you. I've, I've, I'm working on getting better at just sitting on my couch and watching a program and like being okay with that. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's the little things, right? I realized lately I have no attention span. So I was sitting there watching a show on Netflix and I had my phone next to me, DMing my friend, texting about this. Like, and I was like, wait a second, I'm supposed to be watching this show. I'm not like doing one thing. Um, so I'm actually trying to do that too. You know, we don't always have to shoot for the lofty goals. We can shoot for like, don't text while you're watching a show. <laughs> I know. I just, it's so fun to text. I love it. I have a full phone. I have a full phone addiction. I'm on nine screens at once all the time. Um, So you started your career as a lawyer and what was that experience like? What kind of law did you practice? Did you practice law in New York state? You know, walk me through that process. So I was a hedge fund attorney. I wasn't even like a super you know, hotshot litigator. I was was doing the corporate stuff. And I did that for eight months. So it really was not very long. 
because I knew right away, I and mean, I even knew in law school, frankly, like, but I felt like I just had to finish that law degree, you know, because I had started on something. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the lessons I learned from the law degree journey, I guess, is that it's okay to not know. And it's also okay to like, maybe make a wrong step in your journey. Right. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's like a learning thing. So for me, the lawyer thing was a learning thing. So a it taught me how to work really hard because before I always worked hard, but I don't think I knew like how hard it was to like really go after something. And I do think lawyers work a lot. Um, and, uh, and then two is I realized it's not for me. And I think that I knew it so early and I just didn't have like the guts to go quit, right? Like not take that first law firm job. And so when I did eventually quit, I didn't even have a plan. And so I feel like that journey was interesting because it was sort of this wandering thing of not knowing. And I do feel like I've talked to a lot of young people today and they feel like they need to know like right away what it is. They need to have two businesses by the time they're 25, you know, like the pressure is so much from Instagram and TikTok and whatever else. And I'm like, well, actually when I was 25, I was still figuring it out, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I went to college. I didn't have a job. I never have been an intern. <laughs> I always had these weird side paying jobs that I was never an intern. And then, uh, so I didn't have a job lined up after graduation. And so then I went to, um, then I went and applied to law school. <laughs> It was like not a planned career move. And then I went to law school, finished that. And then I was like, well, I better take my law firm offer. And then at some point I was like, I need to think about this more. And so now circling back and I own my own company, it's kind of awesome to have your own law degree because then you can actually help read contracts. You can actually like talk yeah. about the lawyers. That part's amazing. But it took how long? It took 15 years for it to circle back around, maybe 12 years, you know, but like, um, that's what I mean. Like the life journey is not always linear. It can be like, it can be a mess, but you can still get to where you want to go. That's really amazing. Well, I think it's cool that you learned at an early age about the power of the pivot, right? Because a lot of people live in fear of the pivot and it slows them down. It can put them out of business. It makes them miserable in a job for a really long time. So I think like just hearing your story, the fact that you were willing to jump ship, make a different decision is really cool. I mean, do you still kind of live that way? <laughs> so I do. Um, it's funny. I'm going to start using that. The power of the pivot. That's so good. Power of the pivot. I talk about the power of the pivot a lot. Really? Okay. So I've never heard this term, but I love it. So yes, I, I think I do. You know, it's sometimes you're like, oh, wait, maybe I'm not that person anymore. Maybe I just did it that one time. But actually, when I started Ellis Brooklyn, I was the New York Times skin deep columnist. I still am, but uh, I was really filing a lot of stories at that point. I was filing, I don't know, 85, 90 stories a year. It was like an incredible amount of stories. And it was in the middle of this. And I was pregnant with Ellis and living in Brooklyn, which is why the name. Um, I came up with the idea for Ellis Brooklyn just because I got so obsessed with like wellness and also like what goes into our products and also seeing that particularly fragrance Mm -hmm. wasn't cleaning cleaning up its act so um so that's really where it came from and i guess i guess that's another pivot right because it is a, i mean it's related it's more related this time than this crazy 
career um, change from being an, an attorney, but at the same time, it is a pivot. It's different running a business than writing stories. Yeah, for sure. I, I can imagine that, and I realize that you're, you, you still write the column for the New York Times, but your experience um, with all of the people that you've interviewed over the years gave you great insider info and like knowledge on, you know, the industry, how people operate, how they think creatively about stuff. So that combined with a legal background, I think lays a really, really cool foundation for you personally for Ellis Brooklyn, you know, it's like, I feel yeah. like you're kind of yeah. armed with great information from the beginning. And of course, starting a CPG business, you, you have to go through the motions to learn all of those lessons. But it's almost like the people that you interviewed were kind of like mini mentors to a certain degree, even though they were obviously not mentors. And that's not why you were writing a column. <laughs> to be able to get so much like cool information from, um, you know, just such a vast array of people probably was was really helpful. Um, so how did you go from being a lawyer to, to writing the column at the New York Times? Because that to me is truly the biggest pivot. It's not surprising to me that you're writing the column and then you start Ellis Brooklyn, but to go from law to a, a journalist, that, that is a jump, certainly. Yeah, that was, a, I mean, honestly, that was a big jump, you know? Um, I think it helped to be young and not have a mortgage and not have things and responsibilities for sure. That is something about the pivot, right? Like, I think that, I think sometimes people over glamorize the pivot. I think if you actually want to pivot, then you actually need to think about like steps you need to do, right? And I was younger than I was 26. So even then, I think I knew like, okay, if I'm actually going to pivot and not fall back on this, like, relatively cushy law career. Like, I knew I had a job, I knew I had a salary, you know, I knew I had benefits and all this stuff. Um, to this sort of like huge question mark. And um, I just, I just felt like, okay, I need to make lists, I need to make uh, goals, I need to at least push myself out there and then see what's what. So I, I may I'm not a list maker, actually. So this is like actually a stretch for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I made a list of like possible things I wanted to do. And then on there was writing. And I always love fashion. So I actually started out as a fashion writer, not a beauty writer. And uh, I was just like, I'm just gonna go for it. So I started writing for this is the start of the blog era. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember, like there were these bloggers. Oh my God, what was that? You know, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I started writing for like these online publications, which at that point were just hungry for writers. And so I wrote for Style.com. I wrote for AOL back when they had their um, women's coverage area. Um, I just like wrote for all these places, and then I rolled that my clips. You know, I had my clips. And then I and then I got to the New York Times style magazine. So I actually didn't get to the paper until a little bit later. Um, I started writing for T. T was brand new at that time, and it was a whole different editorial team. And it was just like it was great. It was it was so like this strange moment. And I think a lot of life is timing, right? And so it was a strange moment where people were looking for a lot of writers and a lot of content. And I still think everybody's looking for content today too. So I just think there's a lot of opportunity when people are looking for a lot of stuff. So um, I went from there and then that editorial team moved to W and then I, that's when I moved to the paper. Have you always had just a natural interest like in beauty and in fashion? I mean, I'm, by the way, listeners, I'm looking at B on Zoom right now and she has on like a very hip outfit and her skin is perfect. But 
tell me about like your, your personal interest and love for beauty, because I mean, you own a clean fragrance company, so I'm sure that there's a lot of, you know, personal passion in, in the in the category at large. Yes. Yeah, so I started in fashion. I was a fashion writer at the paper and I was like the fifth writer of five. I was the lowest on the rung. I was like the worst and uh, <laughs> worst in writing, but I was definitely the youngest and least. You're the newest. <laughs> Um, so I was fighting for these stories that were like the ones they didn't want to write. And I was like, oh, this is really hard, you know? Um, and, uh, the beauty columnist left, the beauty columnist left for her dream job and travel. And they, they asked me if I wanted to take the column and I was, I had written like one story on beauty. I know it was crazy. And so New York times is really interesting because one thing they do do is they like sometimes for a, a reporter to cross into a new category they never covered before because they mm -hmm. feel like it's fresh eyes. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happened actually. It was total luck. It was like, I was there. I mean, it wasn't luck in the sense that I was in the room, right? Like I was there, but I wasn't a beauty specialist. And so I actually, I feel like I grew up with the category because I love beauty now and I, and I do like fashion, but like, I don't care about it as much as I did when I was 25 and like, yeah. you know, buying really cheap lunches so I can buy a handbag. Like that's just not me anymore. So I'd much rather spend my time like, what bath bomb do I use? Or, you know, I'm crazy about supplements. So like supplements or what scents do I use in my home? Like, so I, I care so much more about that now. Um, so I grew up with it. Yeah, I was. I did not start out as like a beauty expert. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company woo, that makes eating well, easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. The recipes are quick with step-by-step -step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. And there is truly something for everyone, including me. Their meal plans include paleo, plant-powered, keto, and balanced living. So with Green Chef, it is easy to eat well and discover new recipes every week that you will love to cook. I personally have enjoyed how much time Green Chef helps me save on busy weeknights, and it is so easy with the ingredients pre-measured and perfectly portioned. It literally saves so much time. So our listeners can use code ILW80 to get $80 off your first month plus free shipping on your first box. Go to greenchef.com slash ILW80 to redeem and for more details. That is greenchef.com slash ILW80 and enter code ILW80 for $80 off your first month plus free shipping on your first box. Now back to I Love Wellness. I want to talk about Alice Brooklyn um, and sort of how you got the idea for that. Um, and did you did you start Alice when you were pregnant with your first daughter? Yeah, I was pregnant with Ellis. So Ellis is my first, and my second is Sky, and they're I have two girls. Okay, got it. And I I read that you sort of became interested in clean beauty while you were pregnant. Was like your pregnancy kind of the impetus to make changes in your own life? And did you learn about like the horrors of beauty <laughs> through your your work at the New York Times? I mean, like I'm fully on the clean train. I have an Excel that is like many tabs of all these different categories of products 
sunscreen, makeup, household, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like all the swaps I've made. So like, I'm really passionate about it. So I'm, I love talking to people that have sort of like the same passion and interest in it. And like, how did you find out that like the stuff that we're putting on in our bodies is like kind of scary? <laughs> I know, I know. It, you know, it was through the course of covering beauty that I discovered these things. And then the beauty move, the clean beauty movement happened here. You know, it actually was a follower of food. So <laughs> along with being like beauty obsessed, I went from fashion person to like, from like eating croissants and like running around French fashion week, Paris fashion week, and like drinking coffee, you know, to like, I, I said, it was that movement. I don't know if you remember this. I'm 39. So I feel like I remember this whole movement when it happened was when the grocery stores started changing. And there was like all these indie cool, like yogurt brands suddenly. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and there was like cool snacks now. And like, it was that whole food movement. So I got obsessed with that too. Yeah. And then, and then it moved into clean beauty and then it moved into, I would say uh, supplements and then now fragrance, I would say in some ways are, is last. Right. So I saw that happening with food. I was already part of that consumer. Uh, I was that consumer already. And then I saw it happening in, in beauty. And that's when I feel like all this information started coming out. Right. Like, I don't think we really thought about silicones that much before then. I don't think we thought about, you know, DEAT. I mean, always like, we're so like fluent in this stuff. Now I feel like that it's funny back then we didn't know. And, uh, it was a real call to arms, I would say, from skincare. Like there was really interesting skincare lines coming out, I thought, that weren't just like sold at Whole Foods. It was like, I remember when Tata Harper launched, I went to her launch party, it was really cute. Um, I remember when RMS was redo, she had one product that she was using on all her like models backstage. And uh, yeah, so I went from there and then I, and I saw no one doing this in fragrance. I was pregnant with Ellis. I got even more obsessed. I think when you're pregnant, that's pretty normal to be like, oh, what am I eating or what am I putting on my skin? Yeah. And, uh, and I just felt like fragrance, there, there was no one trying to do this even. And so that's, that's really where Ellis Brooklyn came from. I personally love fragrance. So it was like a, it was a moment where I was like, wait a second, I love fragrance and I want to find a way to wear it and enjoy it, but not be like scared to put it on. So it was pretty like simple. <laughs> it was a pretty simple and straightforward beginning. Mission. Yeah. It's interesting. Fragrance is kind of the one category within beauty that I don't know a lot about from a clean beauty perspective. So can you shed some, some light on it for us? Yeah, so historically, there was a lot of phthalates in fragrance. Phthalates, if people don't know, it's like a real, it's a real nasty ingredient. I think there's some clean ingredients that, I, that I've done some research on. I'm like, mm, you know, I would avoid it, but it's not the end of the world. Phthalates actually, I think is a real, we should avoid it. So uh, there's been these studies that they measure the blood content of women and men, and women have more phthalates in their blood from uh, care products than men do. So it obviously sits in your system. And yeah. so that was one thing that was used a lot in fragrance. It was used as a way to hold the fragrance molecules together. So that way it, the scent would last longer. It's like a plasticizer. It's like a plastic sort of uh, thing that I would say it's like a plastic glue that holds molecules together. So that way it takes a longer time for these molecules to evaporate or mm -hmm. disintegrate. And so because of that, your scent lasts longer. So that was how it was used in fragrance. It's used in other ways and other products, but 
Um, that was one thing that I learned about and I was like, oh my God, wait a second. And it can pass into your bloodstream and go to your, and I was pregnant. So I was like, it can go into your baby. So I was, I just got really obsessed with that. Um, and then I would say that's like a big category, but there's like a whole, I mean, there's a, we have a huge giant no, no list. Um, but that was one thing that I was really like, okay, this can't be in fragrance. We can't have our fragrance products have this. That's so interesting. What, what does that ingredient do in your bloodstream or do in the body? They're not sure. Oh. And uh, it's it's starting to get banned in other countries that are not the USF better regulation. Um, but there is thought that it can disturb hormones. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So are there sort of, because um, I'm fascinated with product development um, and I steer mm -hmm. all of our product development at Love Wellness. We work with sure. great, you know, food scientists, nutritionists, doctors to, you know, put everything together. But I'm really, really passionate about this part of the project. And whenever I have people on the show, I'm always like, okay, how do you make the product? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm curious. Love formulation. Yeah, it's so fun. So when you go about formulating a new fragrance for Alice Brooklyn, how, how, do you, how do you do that exactly? And like, have you discovered or are you using alternatives to like, I can't even say this word, phthalates, phthalates, phthalates? <laughs> <laughs> that like help the scent stay around for longer like because of course there's all there's all of these amazing alternative ingredients across the entire category that people are using um you know to improve products so when it comes to fragrance kind of like what are those things yeah so you know when you take out phthalates suddenly the structure of your fragrance is a lot tougher especially if you want something quote unquote fresh right so a lot of Americans want what they say is a fresh or clean scent. And that's different than like somebody from the Middle East or somebody from France, because they might want something a little bit richer, a little more complex. Mm -hmm. So it's the fresh scents, particularly, you should not expect them to last eight hours because a fresh scent is, the reason why it's fresh is because it gives you this burst mm -hmm. and then typically it sort of like fritters away. So if you think about like a juicy orange, right? Any citrus note is not naturally going to sit on your skin and smell like orange for hours and hours. It's just the nature of the note. So part of it is re-educating the customer because we do get this a lot. It's like, oh wait, I wanted a citrus scent, but I want it to last eight hours. Well, that's because we've been trained on these phthalates and we've been trained that, okay, this synthetic orange or synthetic citrus or whatever it is, um, needs to, needs to last for so long. So, so it really is about sort of re-educating, but then on top of that, when we do formulate and I am working with the perfumer, so I work with noses. I'm not, look, I'm not, they've been training all their lives. I'm just basically a creative director who comes in with an idea okay, and cool. there's the, there are the masters of craft. And I go in there, I talk about an idea for a scent I have, and then we go back and forth and I, and I do think because we're clean, we think about the structure of the scent more. So for example, if we have a natural blood orange note, like in our West perfume, we actually have to structure the scent more than I would say other brands that aren't clean because we get to think about how to support that note that's natural that might just like go away in two seconds, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so you're doing some re-education of the consumer just to understand that like, hey, this is a clean fragrance and it may like operate differently than the traditional perfume that you're used to that lasts all day. And so, you know, like you use it now and then you may use it again in a couple of hours. 
So how many scents do you guys have now? And what is your favorite scent? Uh, we have 10 total scents. My favorite scent to this day is still Myth. So Myth was one of our, I launched with four scents. So it was one of our originals, but I made that one for myself. <laughs> There's one that's like really like personal to you. Exactly. Well, also, I mean, you own your own company. I'm sure you make products that are like, mm, I really need this in my life, you know? I, I blow. That's the one. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, that's the beauty. I have my brand. So, uh, so myth was super personal for me because I literally told the perfumer exactly what I wanted. And it was a super odd creation journey because we literally only, it was like one shot, one kill. Like he just nailed it. And I was super specific with about what I wanted most times perfumes take lots of modifications we call it so it you know you send it back can you tweak this can you tweak that myth which is our funny enough our global bestseller it was like literally one time and it was done that's so amazing yeah I, i've heard that when you make a perfume it can take like so many iterations <laughs> years years yeah years years sometimes years oh i don't think i'm patient enough to make perfume then <laughs> At least you're not growing the roses. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, what about these amazing rose growers? I'm like, they're like waiting and waiting and then there's a harvest. I mean, it's a wow. So I want to talk about 2020 for a minute because obviously 2020. Um, what is your biggest hurdle been this year? Oh my goodness. I think for me, the biggest hurdle has been like, you can't plan. Yeah. Uh, I was watching a Chris Rock sketch on SNL, his opening monologue, and he talked about that. And I was like, that's right. You can't plan. You just don't know, you know? Yeah. Like, we are planning our marketing for next year. Who knows what's going to happen? And so we're trying our best. <laughs> and <laughs> we're throwing a lot of darts on the wall. And it's working. We're doing well. But it, it's just like you just have to try a lot of stuff because the normal things you can count on are not necessarily going to happen. Yeah. It's interesting. I think, and, and everybody frankly has gotten better at it, but just learning how to kind of sit in the gray zone or in the, the unknown and kind of get comfortable with that. Right. Um, I've, everybody has, has improved on that skill set. For me, especially the root of all of my anxiety comes from not knowing <laughs> and everyone that has anxiety has like different triggers and different reasons and things that make them anxious. But for me, it's like, it's not knowing. I always want to know all the stuff. I want to be planned two weeks ahead. I want to know that we're leaving at 1158 to get there at 1215. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like to plan too. Yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. I think this is the these habits that we're talking about. I think it's funny because sometimes um, I was I just had a call to my life coach yesterday. So I feel like I'm very zen today because she's always telling me, I think one of the hardest parts about being a high achieving person, I, and, and that applies for not just me and you, but like a whole host of people, right, is that we're making stuff happen in order stuff to happen. There's some sort of degree of organization, right? And if, and if you can't organize anymore, that's a hard shift, you know? And you're like, wow, I have to stop doing, I have to let go of all that. I, I think that's, I think a lot of people are feeling this and I think it's totally normal. And it's like, it's normal to feel totally anxious. The fact that we can't plan two weeks out, you know? 
Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. I, like I, I'm, I'm in this interesting space right now where work has gotten a little bit less busy because we just launched all of our multivitamins, um, you know, in the past month. So those were our big launches for the year. And so I have not downtime, like I'm working, but it's not, you know, 10 out of 10 velocity, like it has been since March for me. And I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm less busy. What do I, what do I do? And it, it's still that same feeling of like, ah, figuring it out. But I, I try every day to kind of just be okay with it and realize and remember that this is a funny year and like, it's okay to watch a little TV. Um, and yeah, just, just try to be okay with just what's happening today. You know, I used to get so mad at myself for like not having a plan or not knowing or whatever, but I specifically work on it every day now to be like, all right, it's okay to not know. It's okay to give yourself a break. But I think everybody's kind of gotten better at that. Out of because we're forced to. <laughs> We've been forced to. But I think that when you are facing such a unique experience as a human and you literally can't do anything about it, it really puts it into perspective and it kind of shatters that narrative that has been driving you in one direction or another for a really long time causes you to really reevaluate who you are like your values and the way that you see yourself existing in the world and it kind of makes it okay to to think about it differently a hundred percent i mean i I always i mean i know this sounds so cliche but i do always try to find the silver linings of this time so one of the things I realized because I was running to the city, I was traveling for work, you know, I have two kids. I was always in a rush. And because I, I am here at home all the time, uh, I do see my kids a lot more. And, yeah. and I don't think I was a bad parent before, but I think I definitely know my kids better now, you know? And that I think that's like any working parent. I think that I've spoken with some of my other friends like, yes, online schooling or any kind of Zoom or being stuck with your kids for months is really hard. But on the other hand, yeah, I guess the upside is that you see it differently, right? Like the upside is that you see your kids all the time. Yeah, that's really nice. Hmm. So what is coming for you and Ellis Brooklyn in 2021? I know we just kind of touched on it and you're like, oh, we're trying to figure it out. But do you have new fragrance coming? Are you going to make me some makeup to put on my face? What's happening? <laughs> um, I think there's so many good clean makeup lines that I'm like, you know what? That's the good thing about being an editor, actually. Yeah. I'm like, there's so many good clean makeup lines. I don't think I, I, at least not right now. It might change. Who knows? I feel like I could offer much more. I feel like there's so many good ones. Yeah. That's a really important perspective though. No, right. Like, you know, like, okay, I'm just going to stay in my lane. I'm, I'm fine here. <laughs> yes. I think that is the gift of being, of seeing a lot of product. I think sometimes you see founders will like, well, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make that, but maybe they haven't tried 20 clean blushes yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yes, we have a new scent coming out next year. It's actually inspired. It was created during COVID. Mm. Uh, I started the creative process like months before COVID, but then once COVID hit, I was like, I, can't. I feel like I can't be working on normal things anymore. I feel like Airy Launch has to be so personal and like has to resonate. You can't just put out stuff. Like people are really suffering. And so I feel like if you put out anything, it has to be, has to be not profound, but meaningful. 
Yeah. Um, so I changed it up. And so we have a new fragrance coming out in spring and it's inspired by the personal journey. I was reading all this Mary Oliver stuff. Um, if you don't know her, look her up. She has like these cool inspirational poet poems. Um, and it's inspired by her poem, The Journey. It's about self journey, basically. It's, it's about the power pivot. It, like it really is. There's a line in there that talks about uh that talks about you know which she realized she had to like leave or get up and go and and change her life basically um so it's about that and that's what the fragrance is inspired by and also we are looking internationally i do think one strange thing about this time is that different countries are handling things differently mm -hmm. and so we are looking more and more at international distribution cool maybe you should call it pivot <laughs> <laughs> That's a dumb name for a perfume. <laughs> oh, to pivot. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, I have one more question. You're going to be my, my personal perfume lady. So I like to layer on like this rose oil with a white jasmine oil. And so if I were to pick a fragrance from you, which one should I pick? Mm, I, if I were you, I would keep the rose oil and the jasmine oil, but because it's getting colder outside, mm -hmm but actually layer what you already have going on with myth. So myth is like a warm, clean white musk. And so it has this like really, it's a sensual thing, but it's more like a bearskin white t-shirt sensual. It's not like a crazy red dress sexy. And so I feel like that will take your already signature scent and just give it some like warmth and depth for, for winter. I'm adding it to my cart right now. <laughs> okay, so I have just two more questions for you. And they're questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show. So the first, what is your secret ritual? This is something that you do that makes you feel happier, helps you unwind, but you do it in secret. Oh my goodness. What is this? Well, so I, I, I know that a lot of people say they like chocolate, but I truly like chocolate. Like I eat so much chocolate <laughs> um, that I, there, I, I buy by bulk from this one company called Raw Chocolate Love. And it has very low sugar for people watching their sugar count and content, but there's no fake sugar. And I'm really anti-fake sugar. So I feel like you, I don't mind a little dark and dirty chocolate, you know? And so I buy it in bulk and I love, love, love to have it with either like a tequila cocktail or with like red wine. And I put the kids to bed and I watch whatever latest silly show there is on Netflix. I watched Emily in Paris last night. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I got through one episode and I was like, no. <laughs> Hard to watch. Hard to watch. Hard to watch. Hard to watch. I can't tell yet if the costume design is like a joke <laughs> or if it's serious. <laughs> it's like the high heel thing just doesn't. I mean, I've gone to Paris a lot, you know, and I'm like, this is not, this is not chic. I don't know. Something about it is off for me. But I think that, I think that's part of the joke, right? Is that she's like this. Yeah. The top American girl wearing the heels and the colors and the patterns. That I see. So I think like that's the joke, right? But I just am not totally sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's not totally clear it's a joke. And that's why it's hard to watch. You're like, you know? Yes. It's not totally. Yeah. I'm not totally sure if it's ironic or not. Yes, yes. And was and you know, obviously it was shot pre-COVID. 
So, and it's by Darren Starr. It's by the Sex and the City team. So I'm like, and I watched Sex and the City in the movie again recently, and there's charm to it. So I don't, I don't know. It's, you know what? The verdict is out yet still on the show. I just don't know. I, I agree. All right. What is one thing that you do now that you wish you had learned earlier? I wish I forgave myself more. I used to judge myself so hard. I know it sounds like, oh, I power pivoted so easily. No, it wasn't easy. Uh, it was, I remember, that's why I ended up in law school in the first place, right? I felt like I had to have a job. I felt like I had to be doing something. Otherwise, you know, I wasn't making it or something. So that's, that's why I went to law school because everybody else had a job and I didn't have anything. So in retrospect, I wish I wasn't so hard on myself because some of the stuff doesn't matter, right? Like it's, it's easier to say that when you're older, but it truly, some of the stuff, it's like, wow, I, I worry so hard, like days on end for this story, or I, or I like obsessed about something or someone, you know, and, and, and now you're like, well, it doesn't matter that much. <laughs> mm -hmm. I understand. Oh, the power of the pivot. It is important. Um, all right. Well, where can our listeners find your work and find Ellis Brooklyn? So for Ellis Brooklyn, it's ellisbrooklyn.com. And then we're also at Sephora. And yeah, we're indoors too, but I know some doors aren't open yet, but you can also shop us on sephora.com. And for my writing, it's at New York Times style section. So you can just go to the style section and Google my name or search for my name and those articles will come up. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you to my fabulous guest, B Shapiro. This was so fun. Uh, this is I Love Wellness. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. It means so much to me and everybody on the Love Wellness team. Thanks again, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.